You don't just start playing baseball and then instantly make it to the major leagues. You have to work hard to get there. You have to have a game plan to get yourself to be the MVP. The Most Valuable Producers podcast is not for the average agent. You can't be average to become the MVP. Just like in the big leagues. You can't just be a one or two or three tool player. You have to be a five tool player to become the MVP. You can make a difference in someone's life every single day in this job, in this career, in this industry. What's your game plan? This is your host of the show, Mitch Gibson. You are listening to the MVP Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Mitch Gibson. I think this is my first time hosting this recap, but the only reason I'm hosting the recap this week is because we're going to throw a little combine episode uh, with the MVP podcast. I have not talked about uh, this on the MVP podcast yet. I have not brought up the protege other than maybe some of the processes and stuff over the last couple of weeks that I've learned and some things that I'm working on. Um, I'm actually going to, I've actually had Ryan Smith on the show recently. I've had Sean on like one of the first couple episodes and Mr. Lugo will be joining us um, here in about a month or so. We're going to get that recording done and we'll, we'll dive in a little bit more about Lugo and learn, learn what he's doing and where he came from and um, all the all the cool things he's doing, but to to get started here and to give everybody some perspective that aren't um, familiar with the protege, um, the protege is insurance's first reality TV show hosted by um, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. David Carruthers, who is the owner of Florida Risk Partners, um, also founder of Killing Commercial Insurance uh, Commercial Lines Training um, Sales Training Class and and, and program. Uh, he is, a, I guess, just entrepreneur, and he's also a keynote speaker. He put this show together to give some real perspective of the day in the life of insurance agents and um, you know, for us to be able to share and learn what it takes to not only be successful in this insurance industry, but also to know what it takes to be a, uh, a producer selling at a high level in the middle market. So currently, you're, you're going to be talking to and you're seeing here right now um, four of the contestants and still current contestants uh, of the protege season number two. As we just finished up, I think, what was that challenge? Our episode sub seven, challenge five, um, which is what we just completed and it just came out on Tuesday last week. So we want to dive into that recap and kind of kind of fill you in on where that uh, where we are in the process and where we are uh, in the show. We've got one more challenge left coming up here next week, and after that, it's it's the top six will be established, and those top six will fight um, to death. I'm kidding. They'll fight <laughs> fight to the end to see who is determined the next protege. And that entails going out and having a sales competition against the other five or six contestants uh, that are remaining uh, in the show. So it's it's extremely exciting and uh, super fun. And I'm still glad to be even having a recap show because if I didn't make it to the re- or to didn't make it to this far, I probably wouldn't be on the recap show. So I'm joined by Mr. Ryan Smith, Jonathan Lugo, and one of my best friends, Mr. Sean Kirby. Welcome to the show and welcome to the recap, my friends. Thank you, Mitchell. How's uh how how's everybody's uh how's everybody's day so far? And did uh did we did we like the feedback everybody got from challenge number five, which was determining and sharing our value propositions and how we can add value to our prospective clients and each one of our niches. Ryan, how did yours go? How how did yours go? What was the what was what was the uh feedback you got from your challenge five and what, what it was it that you made sure to focus on? Yeah, very, very short, very candid 
feedback video from David, which I basically summed up in our, you know, group text um, where I talk too much. And that was, that was the feedback. And I mean, it was, he warned me before he said it. He said, it's going to be the shortest and maybe come off a little harsh, but um, he says, it's because I cared about you. And so basically he said, man, you're, you're too wordy, talking too much. And so uh, he, he kind of just explained why that's a problem for me. And um, it was, it was real quick and to the point and point received for sure. So uh, that was really my my feedback. That was it. Does when you talk say too much, sorry, I think you're gonna ask that. No, I was gonna say, what what do you mean by talk too much? I mean, yeah, it, like, are you, are you talking about like in your submission videos when you send in your well, what 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 do you mean by? You know, I, I, That's I talk definitely too a part much. of it. Yeah, because he he kind of pointed out, you know, that I did a a video of me essentially in a meeting speaking to a prospect, kind of laying out what our value proposition is in that portion of the submission was probably you know four or five minutes something like that well then I was feeling like it's pretty out of context so the next day I recorded like an explainer video to show before and the only part I was in that episode the only part where I was in was my call with my coaches and talking about you know um I don't want to come into the meeting and just start spouting off what my value proposition is and what good things they can get from me. So essentially my submission video is me. I've already discovered what their problems are. And so I've got this group of value ads that I can use in a prospect meeting. So my actual submission video was me explaining these three or four items that would help them with their issues. So altogether it was over, you know, it was over 10 minutes, 10 or 12 minutes long or something like that. So that was a part of it, but then also just the actual submission video just kind of says, just do wordy, gotta get it down more succinct. Makes sense. I, well, I wanna, I wanna go back to that. And I think it, I think it, I think it can benefit a lot of other people in the, in the process of selling the insurance and, 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 and in general, cause I had a little feedback about um, another challenge about how I was getting too wordy explaining something to a customer. I mean, the, these customers don't, these customers aren't insurance, you know, college degree graduates. There's only one of those that's an insurance college degree graduate and it's Ryan Smith. And it shows that. And that's not the bad thing, Ryan. Like you're educated, you're there. Like you, you, you get the process, you get what you're doing and you're passionate about your product. But when, when we think about going and selling something, you know, or someone calling us to sell us something, what's the last thing we all want to do? Yeah. just sit there and hear, you know what I'm saying? So I, yeah. I not to take your negative and be negative. I'm t to try to take your negative and see how we can help each other. And also other agents out there, you know, understand of why we can't be always just wordy. We all like to talk. I mean, that's what we do. We're this, that we're in sales because we all know how to talk to people and we love to talk, but sometimes I'm the biggest advocate of them all. I am the worst at not shutting up. Hence right now, I'm going to shut up Lugo. <laughs> How'd your challenge five go? It was uh, pretty much along the same lines. So um, I, I basically, I, I made a 20 minute video, talked for 20 minutes. <laughs> and it, up until that point, for, for those um, new to the protege, just hearing about this for the first time, um, there aren't a ton of rules. We basically have an open-ended challenge and we go out and create some sort of format, uh, work, uh, work product submission along those lines. 
so up until that point, I had done five, 10 minute videos, screen shares. Um, I did this one, I recorded this one three times. Oh no. And each time came out to about 20 minutes. And so basically what happened is at, at sort of this point in the competition, uh, Mr. Creditors had already decided um, five minutes was pretty much a, a max. So it was almost like a rule was um, added. And so unfortunately, uh, mine sort of fell through the, <laughs> the cracks on this one. I did uh, benefit from it because I put a lot of thought and time into it, of course, but I probably could have done a nice five minute presentation and, and done better. I did, uh, like you did, Mitch, talk about um, agency uh, training videos, a little bit different because it's not so much safety, it's more of um, transactions and uh, I guess legal safety. So I, I did talk about that um, and also some details of, of the insurance cost structure. So total cost of risk and some of that as well. Um, but, oh, well, I learned. Sean. Yes, sir. You were pretty up from, from a little group conversation we had, you were a little bit frustrated with some of your feedback. No, this one was good. Um, this one was good feedback. Yeah, this was the one before. Uh, gotcha. So I was the okay. top, top performer this week. Um, I was frustrated the week prior. We, we hashed our stuff out. That's what it was. Um, that one's already live. If anybody wants to go back and watch that recap of the recap. Um, yeah, no, this one went good. Uh, to kind of talk to both Smith and Lugo's point, we always talk about it in my office as uh, talking yourself through the close. Um, sometimes we want to give so much information that we walk right past the signatures and payment. Um, sometimes you just got to say, so here's the signatures. This is the product. Let's go ahead and move forward today. How would you like to pay? Um, and that can kind of allow you to be a little bit more succinct. And then a lot of that information can be learned through the onboarding process or on the back end. It doesn't need to be at the sales table, the prospect meeting. Um, <clears throat> to kind of talk about what I did in mine, kind of similar to Smith, um, I, I took this and really developed my entire four-step or four value props 100% off of wedge questions. So if I were to pull mine up, I literally had um, a problem, a solution, and a wedge. And then I would say the problem. I would then do my wedge question of what I would do for them to draw out the problem, should that be that, and then give them our, you know, our solution, should that be what we need. This is actually my longest video that I've submitted at nine minutes and 44 seconds. And like they said, um, after the fact, was, by the way, I want these under five minutes. It's like, shit. Um, and I thought it was one of the most well thought out things that, you know, we could do. Obviously our office, we're in the tax accounting, um, financial services, insurance benefits, like business. So we do a lot of things. So my angles don't have to necessarily be HR tactics with think HR, because he said, again, one of his rules that he did put into this one was do not do what I do, do what you want to do. Don't come in with the exact same value props as a mod analysis and, those types of things. I want you guys to be your own people in this one. So I think that kind of gave me an edge because we do things that we do the shit nobody else wants to do, which is, you know, the tagline of the blue collar blueprint. Well, let's, let's talk about the hats real quick that you, that you have with the blue collar blueprint. Um, I think that's a very, very important piece of, of, of understanding kind of what you mean by, we take care of the shit you don't want to and that you wear way too many hats. Talk about, a, I think that's probably one of the most creative um, 
you know, either drops that you've left yet or that, that like, you know, marketing drops that you've left or any leave behind and things like that. I think that's probably one of my coolest marketing little tactics on, you know, on this show so far up to challenge, up to challenge seven here or up yeah. to challenge five here. Sorry. Yeah. I think, um, you know, obviously David creates this show in a very specific way. If anyone watched season one, you knew that this, this whole thing is to build towards the production right? You're not supposed to have it solved. So we started with what are your target clients? Then how are you going to prospect to those target clients? And then, you know, what would you do if you met them at a trade show? What would you do if you had to create a marketing slick? What would be your differentiators in the marketplace? Right? So I think what it's allowed for is it's made me get better every single step of the way and really fine tune the program we have. So to back into, you know, how the hats are, it's, you know, what do we do that our target clients in the you know blue collar field of business need? Well, a lot of them are overwhelmed with paperwork. They don't like administrative tasks, and it's a low dollar task compared to where they should be. So a lot of these people need to outsource this. We do tax accounting, bookkeeping, payroll in-house. So those are quick, easy things that are not insurance related for us to take over. So we bought these hats to go with our marketing blueprint from episode four and which actually played really well into the following and the next um season or episode six or what challenge six which was what's your elevator pitch is you know we do the shit you don't want to do so it says are you wearing too many hats hand it to him hand him the hat and say hey we'll be back in the next two weeks to pick up that hat and then see if there's anything else on your desk or any other hats you want to let go of so he took a he took a creative way of you know in his, throughout his value prop and throughout his um, you know his steps in this process. If it's always been you're wearing too many hats, you're wearing too many hats. So now that I have maybe spent time connecting with them or prospecting with them, cold calling, dropped a marketing flyer off, I'm also going to drop this little piece of th- this 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 hat off, which is going to tie everything back together. It's not like the first time that they saw the blue collar blueprint or. Um, the in quotes, we do the shit you don't want to do. It's not the first time that they've seen that. So when they do see it, they know, oh God, this this I gotta look into this. This is creative. This is something new, something I haven't been seeing before. So he separated himself from his competition earlier on or early on in his process, which I commend you for that. I think it's I think that's freaking sweet. For me, I know look looking back at challenge five now, um, and 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 what I was able to build was an education educational training learning center for HVAC contractors. Um, you heard Sean talk about, you know, these business owners wearing so many hats and that's, I mean, that's the, 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 the cold blooded truth. A lot of these business owners think that they've got, you know, 27 hands to juggle 36 things when realistically they only have two hands to juggle one. And that's, that's to run and control their business the way it needs to be controlled. So for, for me, bringing out, being able to bring valuable uh, tips, tricks, uh, educational uh, documents, educational training videos, um, OSHA training videos, things in that nature that is going to take away from the business and the business owner of spending so much time spending that training, uh, sp- even spending the dollars training an individual of why ladder safety is important. Um, and a three-minute video can explain that. That's that's why, you know, for me, that was the most important piece was how can I educate you know, not only the customer, but also educate the employees. Because um, if the if the employees understand how important these things are in the in the, in the conversation of risk management and mitigating risk, 
if they understand it, it's going to make the business owner feel a lot more comfortable when it comes to hiring a new employee. Anybody surprise you? Anybody that sh- that that was on the top that you liked? Um, their their differentiator or value prop or value add? I'll be selfish. Go ahead. Real good. She's been uh, she's been big time in the last few episodes for sure. You say Abby? Haven't done a great job. You sound like you're underwater, Smith. What are you doing? He's looking away from All his right. mic. There you go. Yeah. Just uh, Abby and Kevin. I, truthfully, it's been a little while since I watched the episode, so I uh, can't remember exactly what what they did that put them in the top, uh, but I'm guessing they didn't talk so much. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Sean, you said you're going to be selfish. You, 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 you liked you over everybody else, didn't you? No, that would be the ultimate selfish move. No, I had a teammate, Brian McCall, wild man, Brian McCall. Um, he's really started to um, jump into these top performers last couple of weeks. He is the craziest freaking person in the world. We are on this LinkedIn group. And so he's never had the internet before it's somewhere in Oklahoma. He's had the internet. He just doesn't have social media. And the amount of gifts he sends to our group is literally overwhelming. So to see him, like, he's the craziest person ever. And to see him, like, start to, like, get out of the character and into the competition has been cool to see. Um, And he is. Should we all be nervous? I would be. Yeah, because you don't know what he's going to do. He has a T-shirt cannon that he, like, owns. So, like, (laughs) he he is who I wish I was. Um, And we did a team Zoom call. And I hope you're listening to this, Brian. We did a team Zoom call and we were sitting there. I bet you it was an hour. And we get off the team Zoom call and I text uh, Derek. I was like, what the just happened? I was like, we didn't have one discussion about it. He just, it's like he's a comedian. It's just joke zinger, just zingers for an hour. And I was, I was so exhausted, but I was smiling the whole time. So I really hope he gets to the finals because to see him produce and then who the heck would vote for him? I'm really excited for Brian. Good for Brian. Absolutely. No, I, I have to say Brian's somebody that I can't wait. I hope he does make it in the top six because I can't wait to see see him actually in the, you know, actually out in the market. Cause I know he's got oh. a phenomenal sense of humor. He's you can tell he's very passionate about what he's doing. You know, I think it's the it's the uncertainty of our all of our minds, maybe thinking, damn, he's good at this, but are they good at selling? It, man, Ryan's really good at this but can he is he going to go out and kick ass you know i think that's everybody's mind right now and you know we still have another challenge or two to go right so at this point in time it's like i guess it's really kind of just we're gonna have to find just be patient and wait and see who see who uh is what david says kill or be killed um i hope to not be killed um not yet at least uh there's i've got a lot of fellow peers in this competition who are very, very good at what they do. And I think the competition's up in the air for anybody right now, whether you make it to the top, you'd make it to the top six or not. Uh, the, 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 in my perspective, those challenges don't mean shit. So um, for me, make it, make it there and see what I'm made of is what I'm, where I'm, where I'm going with it. Any other last thoughts on challenge five? Any, 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 uh, any, any more feedback? I was going to say, uh, just pick up on what you were just saying. To me, that's one of the most interesting things about the show from being in it versus watching it last year is that I had always thought it would be three or four front runners that were really clear, and it was just the hard work of being one of those. 
now I'm realizing that it's basically um, you can put in what you think is a good product, but you've got 10 other people that are doing the exact same thing. And in relationship to them, you may be last one week and you may be top the next. So it's sort of, um, it's a different experience than I thought. That being said, Lugo, I think one of the most interesting things is I think everybody's getting better. And yeah. because he didn't cut people, the people that had like weak submissions at the front are getting really good. And like, you're going to have to cut 10 really, really good agents down to six for the next section. And I was doing the math in my head. I was like, man, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I think I'm going to make it. But like, am I going to make it? Because like, I was doing the math, just putting, or not so much math, just different scenarios. And it's like, wow, that's a tough cut to make because there are, there are more than six really good people right now. Um, oh, so yeah, absolutely absolutely i think there's really 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 good people let me ask you this do you think do you think so far of how everything's gone do you think season three changes in that way of like you said i noticed the competition be a little bit more heavy the last couple of weeks um because people have trusted that process and now that he's not cutting people everybody's diving in everybody's got their you know their, their neck deep and trying to hammer their process perfect as much as they possibly can right do you think he goes this route with season three to where it's, I'm not going to cut anybody until we get to, we get to, uh, you know, maybe challenge seven or whatever it might be, because I think a lot of people just might, might be a little shy or timid or just very, that the, the uncertain, but I think that's also what makes the show fun and exciting for you as a producer is like, I'm learning shit and I'm doing stuff that I didn't think I would do this year. You know, because I'm in the protege. So that's that's what I'm taking it. It's like it's the, the reap of reward of trying and giving it your all is gonna benefit you either way you take it, whether you win or lose. You know, win or lose, we still lose. And that's the way I'm looking at it. You really did go to ball state and play baseball, didn't you? I did. Fancy. That's their team motto. Um Excited to get back in on Challenge 6 here and discuss uh, what some of our top performers did and how uh, they went about creating and developing their elevator pitch and cold calling script. Yes, there's a difference. A cold calling script and an elevator pitch. There's two totally different things. I'm going to go around the room here and find out from these other three individuals before I spill my beans how they thought Challenge 6 went with their elevator pitch and cold call script and kind of the background of why they went about doing it the way that they did. Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merged? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers and I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael, I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him, I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's, let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed. Let's do it. And that's what we did. We flew to Columbia. We saw his operation and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at virtual Intel. That's with two L's. That's virtual I N T E L L dot com. Go check us out. See what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology delivered right into your agency. And you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, requiring, recreating, trying to find processes. Just there's so much stuff. I can't even say it right. That's right. 
Virtual Intel, CAST certified. Uh, Mr. Ryan Smith, what you got for us? How Challenge 6 go for you? What was feedback like and how'd you go about it? Challenge 6 was pretty good. I, I was feeling all right about it. Um, going into it, I kind of um, I put it off till, you know, till about the end as far as my videos together. And so um, I thought, you know what, I'm going to find an elevator and like my buddy's going to get it and I'm just going to talk. And I didn't actually do it because, you know, the sound is awful and the lighting was terrible. And but uh, Brian McCall found himself an elevator and he he made it work. I like that. But um, for me, challenge six, um, my feedback from David was that the elevator pitch was pretty good. It was um, it was maybe a little bit too wordy, believe it or not. And uh, really some of the overall feedback that he gave was kind of, you know, you want this to be more of an interactive conversation with the person you're talking to. Um, so for me, it was, you know, it's kind of hard to do that in a video submission, but um, he liked my elevator pitch more than my cold call script. So Same. Uh, very, very little feedback on the elevator pitch. When we got to the um, cold call script, Basically, he lined out that there's two schools of thought. Uh, one is where you tell the person right up front why you're calling. You know, the purpose of my call is this. And so that's kind of the way I did it. And then uh, the other school of thought, which he teaches his producers and, and his agency, is to uh, not to do that, but to kind of surprise them or catch them off guard and talk about something they weren't expecting and to use the two no's and a yes approach. So I, I knew he did that, you know, and um, heard him talk about that in the podcast a lot. I kind of did that. I included like a, at least one no to yes. I can't recall exactly, but um, ultimately phone script was too long. I talked too much and yeah, I'll stop talking now. <laughs> Mr. Lugo made his way back into the top performers this week. What'd you do differently? And what, what, what advice would you take from last week and make sure that you did better this week? First video is four minutes. Very proud of that. Um, so for this one, I watched uh, last season's um, episode on this and I, I watched uh, Derek's call and he had everything typed out, did a screen share and read through it. So what I did was just focus on really getting the script and um, heard for, from some others who got feedback because they didn't type it out and put the work out there. Um, so um, I feel like at first with the elevator pitch I was talking about, um, what we do, who we, what um, problems we solve. And after talking to my coaches, I, was, I changed it to be more focused on describing the ideal prospect I work with. And he didn't mention anything about that. And I think it worked. So there's more I work with people who meet these conditions. And it was a problem that they had. And I think it, it was just presuming that I helped fix that problem. Um, and I think that worked. Then um, for cold call, I threw in, um, I knew it was going to be a tough competition this week because it's pretty straightforward. So I threw in um, answering some objections to try to set myself apart from some of the other contestants. And I think that worked as well. So I answered some of the common objections I've gotten. 
and then um, typed out the voicemail I'd leave, which is important for me. Um, as far as what method I used, I went with um, Mick Hunt's advice. He's my uh, coach, and he basically uh, lists several um, pain points that you um, basically tell your client, this is who I work with, is, is that relevant to you? And can we sit down and talk about it for 15, 15 minutes? And so you basically set the appointment if it is, and if not, move on to the next one. So um, that's the direction I went. I know there's some disagreement on that, but it seemed to work for this challenge. I like it. I'm just happy to see your face. I was happy to see your face, and and I think okay. I think I think you had similar to me or similar to me, and you went back and watched some of the contestants from last year, um, focusing primarily on the winner uh, with with Derek Hayden, and I'm assuming we're probably going to hear some similar feedback from Sean since Derek Hayden is one of his coaches. So, Sean, what was uh what was your feedback from David, and what types of things did you focus on when creating your elevator pitch and cold call script? Um, so I pretty much had my elevator script for a while. Um, it's short, sweet, and a little raunchy, um, of all the things that he says, he said, you know, you gotta be careful who you say that to, but contractors tend not to give a shit. Um, so I have the, we do the shit you don't want to do. It creates curiosity. It says what we do and somebody's going to have a follow-up question. It's going to entice a longer conversation, no matter what, that's all I'm trying to do with that. My cold call script, I regret. I was still a top performer. It was still really good. I really, really followed the Chris Beal method from the episode of the podcast that they did together. And I don't disagree. I do like it. It's going to book appointments. Um, it doesn't like show the breadth of what I feel like I can do on the phone. Um, however, it worked. Uh, his only thing was, you know, I would like to see two no's to a yes. I did have a second script that was exactly two no's to a yes that showed a little bit more of our value. But then I pulled it because he had mentioned the Beal thing because I was just trying to cater to, you know, Brown knows the teacher a little bit on it. Mm -hmm. And um, I bit myself a little bit. I've, no I've noticed I've noticed that's been a pretty consistent trend of yours. Eat shit. Um, so I 100% <laughs> do believe that you kind of need two scripts because you got to be able to kind of play with them to see what's going to feel the best. And the two no's to a yes may be better, but this is going to book the appointment. So it depends on who I'm talking to. If I'm talking to a CFO, I'm going to use this one. If I'm talking to a business owner with 25 employees and he wants me out of his hair, right? Or I do need those, you know, scare tactic, tactic questions, then I'm going to use the two no's to a yes. But it's going to kind of depend and I'm going to feel those out as I go. So I'm happy with the results. I thought it went well. Um, again, top performer Smith wasn't, so that's super important for me. <laughs> He's so Pete. Oh, Smith looks good today, man. Smith Smith dappered up. He probably got himself. He's probably got himself a prospect meeting. Looking good yeah, today, dude. Smith. He, he said, just left court. "Yeah, he just left court." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. No, I went the same way. I went, my elevator pitch was pretty good. Um, I, same thing, went with my value or my value prop. Um, you know, no different than the week before with the, um, with the, with the value proposition and, and the education learning center and, and letting them understand that I'm here, we're here to protect and make things a little less hassle free for you. Um, and here's how we do it. Uh, the, cold calling script. I did the two no's and a yes. Um, the thing that I did was I, my opening, my opening remarks, um, of who I am and why I'm calling was too, a little bit too long. It's probably about four or five sentences. Um, 
probably should have shortened that up a little bit, but getting them to the answer the question of, you know, did you know that you're in the bottom 15% of all HVAC contracts in the work and in, in the world of work comp in the state of Indiana, you know, and getting them to hit the no there is my trigger. And, you know, the earlier I can get them to trigger the first no, the better the conversation is going to go. So for me, being able to look back on it now, shortening up a couple of the things, the beginning of the cold call script is going to make the, make the process go even smoother by getting him to say no earlier on in the phone call. Um, you know, the, the, the question of being pretty much asking him, did you know that you're losing? I don't like being asked someone asking me, Hey, do you know that you're getting beat right now? No, that pisses me off. You know, that's, that's, that's what I want that, that, that business owner, uh, HR manager, whoever it might be, that's what I want them to feel like, Oh shit, we're getting beat. How are we losing? Why are we losing? Because if they're, I mean, if they're a business owner, they're competitive. They should be. I, I would want to be competitive. I, I would expect my expect business owners and my fellow colleagues to be to be competitive and, and not want to get beat. I mean, that 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 ticks me off. So being able to have the business owner of this this prospective client say, "No, I did not know that I'm losing or I'm getting beat." Conversations over at that point in time, and I want to get I want to get that meeting. I, I need that meeting. I want to get I want to get it booked immediately over the phone, but I can't get there unless I get a no first. Right. So that's, that's the importance of the two no's and a yes. Um, go watch this episode. I think there's a lot of really good things that, that new producers can take, can take from, from this episode. I think you guys can all agree with that. Anybody have anything they, they, uh, they liked from other contestants. I know we, we, we were very selfish in the way of, um, we like to talk about the recap on ourselves and that's okay with me. Um, any, anybody take any other cool things other than somebody being in an elevator. Again, I had two teammates in this one, so I was really excited to have Mr. John Lyons in there as well as um, Mr. Brian McCall, who literally was in a uh, elevator. Did you hear David's feedback on Brian's? I didn't listen to the that? feedback, no. <laughs> he roasted his freaking jacket so hard. He goes, hopefully you actually pressed your jacket in real life and you were just acting in that elevator. Hopefully you didn't find it in the back of your closet all bunched up and on the ground. And I was sitting there, I'm just, I'm like, come on, you just you didn't need to put that part in the episode, David. Say he what did. you will. Say he what did. you will. Hey, it's his show. He can do whatever the heck he wants. Uh, Rocky, Rocky, you got to step in a little bit on that one. Rocky, yeah, you do no. whatever. Rocky, you do whatever you need to. We know you're out fighting fires. We know that you're out out saving saving things out in the world. You take your time. Don't listen to fucking thing Kirby says. Either way, but yeah, no, I think it's a testament to having some awesome coaches. Um, between me, John, and Brian, that all three of us were top performers. Sedlak is one of the most amazing, weird human beings I've ever met in my life. He takes a lot of time to give back to the industry, and he loves cold calls. He's an old ADP guy, so he um, he helped a lot on this one. He actually blocked time and did a cold call block with um, Andy a couple weeks ago, and they both walked away with big accounts. So this, this stuff works if you do it. And that's the beautiful thing. It's just, you know, these coaches, at least my coaches, really want to see you do it in real life. They don't really care much about the show. No offense, David, but I mean, that's true. But that's why he's got them as coaches. Is that, that, that's the whole purpose of what the protege is about. And it's to, to give you the resources, the people, and the connections to, to be able to build a process, build marketing strategy, build cold call scripts, the stuff, the stuff that you probably sit in your desk and scratch your head and go, how can I do this? 
and then you set it off to the side. How can I do this? You know, as a new producer, you know, you, the first thought is, how am I going to be able to do this? How am I going to be able to make phone calls? How am I going to do this? So you set up the process, and that's, this shit's easy. It, it's easier when I say easy. I mean, it makes makes the process makes everything easy for you when it comes to talking on the phone, having your information there. You should know right now, all of us. I guarantee you, if asked us what our value adds were and what our value proposition was, we'd all be able to tell you because we've worked on it so much for the last you know two or three or three or four months here that we became familiar with our own process and what we're doing. It's just second nature. It becomes second nature. It's the muscle memory thing. You can go shoot 3000 shots on a basketball hoop. You do that every single day. It's going to become muscle memory. Same thing hitting baseball fatigue. I mean, you want to switch your swing up. You're going to hit it. You're going to hit, hit 25, 30 buckets of baseballs a week and continuing to teach yourself how to become a good hitter. Same thing when it comes to producing here, how are we going to continue to grow ourselves as producers, um, you know, after the protege. And that's, that's where the accountability piece comes in us. It's like, he's giving you a playbook. He's giving you a sales book. Go, go freaking win now, go freaking win. So any other feedback challenge, challenge number six, episode seven, we got one more challenge left don't we? before um, I think that that's the last challenge seven Is there seven. Yep. We got yeah. one more challenge left after this one. So one more. Wait, are we got we got one more? We got two more. This is Yeah, one we've already done and is about to come out. And then yes. one after that. So it'll be eight total. I was doing my math. I was like, man, was I supposed to submit some over the weekend? I miss something. ADHD right. got the best of me. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that goes along with this challenge, the cold calls that we hadn't really talked about is kind of the mental piece of it. And I know you you spoke to it a little bit, Mitch, about you know you got to get the game plan in the process and hit those thirty buckets of balls. But uh, man, when you're when you're sitting down to actually do the calls, especially for someone that's new to it, that can be really difficult. And I don't I don't know how you guys what your um, your career has been like, but for me, I've I've never had to do any cold calls before. So same the last. Last couple of months when I've been stepping into it and, and doing the script that I had before this challenge, um, it's been rough. And you know, I've yeah. had some appointments here and there, but um, yeah, it's it it can really be a numbers game at this point. You know, to get familiar with your script or your two scripts, Sean, I really like your your take on that. I did too. Being able to bounce off of one or the other depending on who you're talking to, but um, yeah, that the mental part of this is so huge. And for me, I, as you all know, <laughs> a bit of a perfectionist. I want it to be perfect before I start on something. So uh, getting the uh, no thanks click over and over again is just killer sometimes. So I don't know, how, how do you guys feel? I just wanted to same. be vulnerable about it myself. I feel like I must no, be doing nobody likes wrong. it. Yeah. It makes me feel like maybe maybe I'm doing something wrong all along, and uh, and then it's like no wait, I need to make one more call, and then I make one call and set appointments. Like yep, it's a numbers game. So, hundred percent numbers game. I think for me, I'm excited because it's gonna. I, I, I'm I'm a very comfortable person with uncomfortable situations. Um, that's I'm, I'm very good at being being uncomfortable. Um, you know. For, for me, I'm excited to actually start picking up the phone and calling because, like, I hate saying this, but I'm just I'm, – I'm tired of writing home and auto insurance is the last five months. Like, I'm ready I'm ready to ready to do something, you know, to change it up a little bit. I love writing home and auto insurance, but, you know, it's like one of those things you get wore out doing the same thing. 
that's why I enjoy the position I'm in because I can go do something. I can sell this. I can sell that. I can, you know, for me, it's something we've all feared is making the the cold calls and picking up the phone and, and calling 30 times a day. Um, you know, but yeah, that's, that's not my model and not what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do, I'm going to start cold calling and I'm anxious to see how it, how it, how it goes. And, you know, being able to write down whether it was a successful cold call or not is what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for, did I get that meeting, you know, per se. So at the beginning for me, it's, did I feel that the cold call went well? Was I smooth? Was I, so I'm kind of going to put myself on a grading scale, the first, first five to 10 calls to make sure that I am, you know, on par with the process. Um, you know, do, should, should those first 10 calls maybe be the top 10 on my prospective client list? Probably not. Right. So I think that's another thing to identify is if, as I'm starting to, you know, if I'm completely new to cold calling, maybe I should start with some smaller clients first and, and, and work, work through this so that I know whether it worked or did not work or what script, like Sean said, what script worked better. Um, maybe make tweaks to it whatever it might be, use a rubric, get yourself prepared and then go after those big ones. Right. So that's, that's my advice there. I would recommend a couple other things too, is one physically is how we, if, if we're not in a comfortable position before we make our calls, like just physically, then you're not going to be comfortable on the phone. So you want to stand up, you want to get in a comfortable position. I don't know about you. I'm a pacer. No. I'm a pacer. All I had since I was a kid, I've been on the phone walking around. So for me, putting my AirPods in and walking while I do it makes me comfortable. Does it stress out everybody else around me? Yeah, probably. Do I not have a computer in front of me to answer an immediate question? Yeah. But for me, that takes away the little bit of that anxiety and allows me to kind of decompress a little bit and allows me to get one more rep in. Um, another thing I would recommend is look at it as a process. So don't think you just have to send or just call. You can do a call, text, email. You can do a call, text, email, and then a postcard. And you can say, hey, I missed you. Hey, you know, we didn't get to connect, but I'd love your contact back. And again, it goes back to the extra two minutes of did some guy call me and leave me a voicemail? Did some guy call me, email me, and send me a postcard? He knows the problem I have. Because realistically, if we're, we've, I've got 10 seconds to tell you why I'm calling and you say no, then you're never going to know why I'm calling. There's a problem. There's this glaring problem. I know your mod's over one, so I'm going to take, you know, Mitch has his little, you're in the top 15% or bottom 15%, send a mail and say, if you don't believe me, read it. If you're not going to open my email, read it. And um, I think it makes it a lot easier if you know why you're calling. If you're just calling yeah. to call to sell something, yeah, it's going to feel like shit. But if you're calling to solve the problem, because I beforehand, due to my very you know, definite um, – prospect list know that there's a problem and i can fix that problem so that, yeah, that's I, something that makes it more comfortable for me just putting your what you're doing is you're putting the you're putting the accountability on that client a little bit you know you're, you're taking the accountability off of you i mean you've sent him an email you might have sent him an email with an attachment you might have did a drop off like he said and then you call him and say hey i miss you today when i stopped by uh wanted to see if you got that note i left you explaining how how low or how bad your workers compensation experience mod is you're, you're letting them think about it. Oh, did I miss something? Do I need to go? Uh, let me go look or I'm slow. And then you can just hit them with the, I'll send it. I'm still going to send it to you again to make sure that you received it. Um, yada, yada, yada. I mean, you're putting some, some accountability back on them to say, did I, you know, for them to think and realize that I missed something. If I did, Oh shit. 
I shouldn't have missed that, you know? So, all right. We've gone too long on this, this, uh, this recap. I don't want to board everybody. I hate saying that, but we did. Um, anybody got anything before we head into our last challenge? The last two challenges. Who go? Not much. Good job, buddy. We're proud Mr. of you. Mr. Smith. Look at him. He's trying to stop. He's trying not to talk. That's right. <laughs> hey, you're working. You're practicing. I love it. David's going to see you're working on it on this episode here. Sean, what do you got? All right, boys. We're running towards the end. That's yeah. it. We all know what the last challenge is. I bet you, have, you guys will put money on who um, can be a top performer. Yeah, 15 minutes. We'll make David grade who has the best one the last one. You guys want to put money on it? You guys got cash? I mean, what's the, what's the money line? <laughs> um, who's going to be a top performer or who gets the last immunity spot? Ooh, last immunity spot. I'm going to well, say it's Brian McCall. Oh, man. I would love it for, for it to be Brian. I'm going to say it's Brian Brian's, McCall. Brian's run, r- riding a heater right now. I'm going to say it's not going to be me because I have been late submitting my challenge the last three weeks, but it's part of it. I'll put my money on Brian. I'm going I'm to go with, I'm going to go with Brian on immunity. I'm going to go top six. Ooh, yes. Let's play a guessing game. I'm going to go jump top, in on this one. I'm going to go top six, us four, Brian McCall and Abby. I'll say it. All right, that's my top. That's my top six. Yep, me and Abby. Um, I would guess the immunity, and I'm. I gotta go with Kevin. Kevin's been Let's killing it. Damn, dude, it's so hard to even. Uh, gosh, but like Karen's been awesome too. Karen Seifert. Yeah, she's been. She's a been in a bunch a of finals. Damn. Brian McCall's on a heater. Dude, John Lyons, though, he's been in the top probably four or five times, too. Yeah. So, yeah. My goal I don't is know. Be, this I is cool. I just, it's like almost pretty be, much even. Yeah. My goal is to be in the top. My goal is to be in the top next week. And if, if I, I'm not focusing on being in the top six. I'm focusing on being top next week if so. That gives me a good position to be in the top six. Get your submission know. in on time, Mitch. I'll get it in. I just yeah. – there's no all excuse. Right, I'm not going to make excuses. Yeah, I didn't get it. All right, boys. All right, gents. Have a good rest of your day. We'll see you guys next week. Um, kill or be killed.